And I'm Jake. And we're like Q and D Miles. Q and D Miles? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Have you stumped me? I think so. First time all year? Uh-huh. This was a good one. Q, Q oh, is that two different, like, one person is Q Miles and one person is D Miles? No, that might give you some context. You ready for it? Yeah. It's from a Nelly song. I, I, God, I'm so upset right now. I can't. They're be- athletes from the. So Nelly was was really popular in the early 2000s. Yeah, Saint Lunatics. Saint Lunatics, exactly. Okay. Murphy Lee. Oh oh, oh 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 oh. Uh, it, oh gosh, basketball players. Yes. Uh um uh Quentin Quentin something. Yeah, Quentin Richardson. Thank you. And uh, uh, oh my God, the, Miles was the guy that played in that high school movie. Yeah, he played for the Portland Trailblazers. Yes. Oh my God, what's his name? Darius. <laughs> Darius Miles. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Two worst basketball players, maybe of all time. Yeah, that made it into a rap song. I know. What is that joke? That's like that's like rap. That's like rapping about Sebastian Telfair. <laughs> oh he was crappy when he got out of high school like people that shouldn't uh alex i'll take people that shouldn't have played in the nba for 2000 oh oh i do <laughs> oh trev the this podcast is already plummeting it's all good all right yeah that was uh quentin richardson and Dar- darius miles we're gonna change the fate of the clips yeah they were weren't they Darius Spoiler Miles. alert! Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> oh, you just ruined it. <laughs> yeah, now nobody's gonna remember what happened in two thousand two. Wasn't Darius Miles kind of nice for the Trailblazers for like half a season? No, no, uh, he couldn't. No, I remember he, he was he was signed with Reebok, and there was this commercial with him and Allen Iverson and another guy, and it was talking about how shoes can't. Um, Shoes can't make you a jump shot. The uh, money can't make you a jump shot, but a jump shot could make all of those. And I remember thinking, even as like a kid that played at a one A high school, like you don't have a jump shot. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't, man. He could jump. No. That was like he he would have been a really good and one player. And, yeah, exactly. And but you know he made a bunch of money in the pros, so I guess good for him. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, we're not here to talk about 2000s hoops, which we could for a long time, but we're not going to today. Um, We are going to get into our favorite football team, the Pac-12's representative in the Rose Bowl. First time back there since 2001, thank you. During the two years, however, you know, two years ago, we did make it to uh, the Peach Bowl, which would be the equivalent of, you know, a a big-time New Year's Six Bowl. Last, last, Last year in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it wasn't a Pac-12 guess, championship, but it's a New Year's Six game. Yeah, you're exactly right. So the the Rose Bowl uh, was USC, right? Yeah. I guess oh no, that, it was one. No, it was. It was the, a playoff uh, game. Yeah. So the Rose Bowl wasn't. So USC would have been the Rose Bowl 
attendee were it the same. But nonetheless, it is awesome to see Washington back in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. It's where they belong. It's it feels really good as a fan who's you know watched them mire in the in the zero to four win seasons and then really hit their ceiling with Sarkeesian at the seven eight win mark. <laughs> what? Now with Chris Peterson, ten three ten win uh, seasons in a row. Yeah. Uh quick quick stat about that. How it's long? Time. How long? I mean, it's not that fantastic of a stat, but it just. It puts into perspective what Coach Pete has done. How many years has he been coaching here? Five. How many New Year's Six Bowls has he gone to? This is the third one, right? Yes. In three years. It's the first time a Husky team has gone to three consecutive New Year's Six Bowl games. I love it. It's Let's win one now. I huh? mean, yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. But, I mean, that's a really remarkable stat, though, that Chris Peterson – in five years, has gone to three New Year's Six Bowls. Yeah, you're not kidding. I mean, that is – that's exactly what we were hoping for when uh, when Washington signed Chris Peterson. And, man, has he just met expectations and just blown us away with, you know, who he is as a, uh, as a person, as a recruiter, and as a developer of talent. Six years ago, it – the last year of Sarkeesian's uh, tenure, if I told you, Trevor, I saw into the future, we hire Chris Peterson, and in five years he goes to three New Year's Six Bowls. How happy are you? Oh, I'm, I'm elated, and as I am right now. I mean, this this run that Washington has been on has just been – just been so much fun to be a part of uh, so much fun to see the, the program back to where Husky fans believe it should be. They are the class of Seattle sports yes. right now. Yes. They're the model of efficiency. Um, this is a Husky town. I love it. There's a lot of people who are really, uh, you know, you're seeing a lot more. You think about when we were in high school, you saw a lot more like green O's up in Northern Washington. And now you're seeing the W back. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's exactly what we were needing when we were going over, you know, as, as a, as a lifetime UW fan, going through those years, like you had just previously talked about, it, it sucked, but this is what we were waiting for. Just the people that have stuck through all that and stayed true to the colors, we deserve this run. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you just look at, in the Willingham era, you knew that you were there was over half the games you were going to lose. In the Sarkeesian era, you knew you were going to, he can't beat Oregon, which is not good. No. You knew you were probably going to – you had a chance to win a game you shouldn't, and you were going to drop a huge dump in a – Absolutely. And now with Chris Peterson, you expect to beat the teams you do. And if you're going to lose, it's going to be a very, very close game, and they're going to play uh, disciplined football. Yeah, and that's the – I think that's my favorite part about this team is that, you know, it's it's – you know, with the Sarkeesian era, there was a lot of offense, but there was no defense. 
And with with Chris Peterson, you know that it's going to be a 50-50 split where you're going to get a really good defense and you're going to get some offense to back it up, and that's nice. Maybe not last Friday, but for the most part, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, is when you when you look at this offense, this might be, other than the Siler Miles here, this might be one of the um, the most grindy or not, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's probably one of the worst offenses he's put out there in a while. You have Miles Gaskin. Um, the receivers have been good. Not great. Um, not great. Uh, Jake has been good, not great. Um, Jake has looked pretty good in some games, and he's looked – awful in some other games. Um, I would put this in the awful category. Um, although, you know, he was playing, in my opinion, the second best defense in the Pac-12 and a very, very good defense at that. So you're going to grind a little bit more, but they're exactly where they wanted to be. You know, you, you'd rather, you'd like to see that one of those losses that they have turned into a win. So they're 11 and two. But you can't be – I can't be more thrilled that they're going to a Rose Bowl. And we talked about that at the beginning of the year. We wanted a Rose Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. That's – I mean, that's that was the goal for the season, right? Yep. You know, you, you kind of knew a national championship might have been out of reach with this team. Um, yeah, once with the big injuries to Trey Adams. And yeah, Hunter Bryant. Bryant. Yeah. You know, you know what this game reminded me of is – this game to me is what the Cal game should have been. Yeah, that's a good point. With trusting your defense to win the game and don't give them a short field. You know? Yeah. Just just grind it out on defense. You know, Jake, we had bad Jake in this game and we had bad Jake and Cal. But the difference was is that uh, I think the clamoring for getting Jake – benched was so big that it kind of forced the hand and it ended up losing us that game. If we end up grinding that game out, like we did this game against Utah, where a combined offensive game by both teams scored you six points. We come out victorious because we put that faith in Jake, not to give Utah a short field, not to make bad mistakes. We moved the ball down the field regularly we just that was probably the most frustrating part yeah is that you know we'd get to a point where we were just outside of where he was comfortable putting Peyton Henry out there and we were close enough that you know one more first down two more first downs we could add a touchdown but yeah we didn't we didn't do it but we also didn't turn the ball over a whole lot of times to give Utah a short field you know, and, and, and make Utah work for it because obviously they couldn't move the ball. No. You know. Yeah, and the defense came out and they just balled out. You know, Jason Shelley, 17 for uh, out of 27, 137 yards and three interceptions. Yeah. And one of probably the stupidest play is trying to pick on uh, Miller twice. <laughs> uh, they, they got him on the first one. Was it a defensive holding? Yep. And then they went right back to him, and he turned into the receiver, made that baller interception. And I mean, well, that probably like wasn't it, the end of the game, but man, they just—they were anemic. They couldn't do anything on the ground, on it, the ground, or through the air. And it seemed to me like it was the same route both times. Like they got him for it that was. hold. Yeah, they got him for the hold, 
And then they're like, you know what? We'll get him again. And Miller's a good enough corner where he's probably going to go to the league to know that you're not you – fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. You're not going to fool me twice, so. Yeah, George W. W. <laughs> so, you know what I mean, though? Yeah. You can't pick on our cornerbacks. You can get them once, maybe, but you're not going to go out there and run the same dang route and get them again. Yeah, that was stupid, and it showed um, – it showed just the the brilliance of our defensive backs and our defense as a as a as a unit, and uh, the na- the naivete of naivete is that French? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I think so. Okay, it's a good word, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's an actual word. I think so. Naivete. I don't know. I'm I'm a college grad. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Yeah, whatever. All right, go ahead. Go on with what you were saying. Sorry. No problem. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, you know, this defense just was absolutely stifling anything Utah tried to do. Um, Utah, you know, didn't have a lot of first downs. The first half, Utah couldn't do anything. That for, I believe it was the first drive of the third quarter is where they – the only time where they were able to get significant amount of yards when we were not in a prevent defense to get themselves their only three points of the game. Yeah. They made well, an adjustment at, at halftime that, uh, that worked for a series. They had a drive at the end of the first, the very last drive of the first half where it was, they were moving the ball pretty good and they got themselves into field goal range, but then they shot themselves in the foot and took a deep sack, which pushed them out of field goal range at, which essentially ended the half. Right, and that was because Washington was playing a lot more of a prevent defense at that yeah. point. Uh, they were way off. It kind of looked a little Nick Holtish. But once they got into that area where they were uh, threatening to score, they tightened the screws back down. And, yeah. you know, J- you know uh, Jason Shelley's just – he's not a good enough quarterback. Well, he's a freshman. Yeah. He's a freshman. Yeah. And, and He looked good and, against and, BYU. He did not look good against Washington. Two different defenses. But exactly. How how dare you compare a Jimmy Lake off or defense to anything Nick Holt ever did? Shame on you! Tr- shame on you! That's all Nick Holt did. He was a <laughs> shame on did. you. How dare you? It, it looked Nick Holtish. They were like <laughs> no, don't. I just said how dare you, and then you you return that by calling him Nick Holtish again. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh. digging my heels in on that one. I'm so disappointed in you, Trev. I would – oh, God. What, what would you rather be called, Nick Holtish or Ty Willinghamish? Um, and just so Nick everybody Holtish. knows, I, I named my second-born son after Ty Willingham. No, you did not. Don't say that. <laughs> you, his name is Tyson, not Tyrone. Fair enough. Oh, you're the worst. I am the worst. Um, but you, but you know what that game was? It was a matchup between the two stingiest defenses in the pack, and it lived yeah. up to the hype. Yeah, and I think that anybody outside of the state of Utah and the state of Washington uh, probably turned it off. I know that there was over 4 million viewers watching it, uh, but I guarantee you most of those viewers were not enjoying it like the, uh, the strong thou- million that came from uh, the state of Washington. Probably. I loved it. Well, it was Friday night. You know, a lot of people going out. and 
Oh yeah, I mean, I oh. I definitely watched it recorded because nobody nobody could watch it at five. Man, I couldn't get home in time. Yeah, I tried my best, but it I just failed miserably. Offensively, Miles Gaskin, you know, twenty twenty three carries, seventy one yards. It seemed like he he gashed a little bit more than that. But then when can you think back? There were a lot of negative plays. That defense was all over the place. Chase Hansen is the real deal. Oh, yeah. He lived up to the hype. Uh-huh. And you were right. A uh, little spoiler alert. Uh, the winner of that game probably decided the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, and it, in fact, was BBK, who had a very, very good game. Pretty much every, you could pick anybody on the defense had a great game. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you can't solo anybody out for – I mean, Murphy had two picks. Miller had a pick. Taylor Rapp had a a couple of really important sacks and a big. He had one hit. sack. Yep. BBK was all over the field. The defense as a whole, front to back, played phenomenal. Um, oh. Back back to your other point though, I feel like I was probably more impressed with Miles Gaskins against Utah than I was the week before against Washington State, because. What he did to uh, Washington State had good defensive numbers, which is fine. I still don't consider their defense an elite defense, and he right. gashed them in the snow. But I, like you said, Miles Gaskins gashed them for a couple of uh, long runs, and the patience that he showed in the Wildcat when when Utah wasn't giving any holes to get a couple first downs, he showed patience and he picked a hole and he exploded through and picked up some really hard first downs. And I thought it was really impressive. Yeah. Yep, I totally agree with you. I I want to make it clear, though, they play like that against a different offense. This is a different story. I know that the defense played fantastically, but it is what they can take away offensively from this tape is they have to capitalize when they get into or close to the red zone. Yeah, and you can't drop passes that hit you in the hands. Yeah, so Jake, I mean, Jake ended up with one pick. He probably should have had two, and the pick Three. he did have, well, the pick he did have shouldn't have been one. Sure. Um, you know, it hit. But, a, it was a. It was a. It was a really good thrown ball uh, for a first down to Ty Jones. Hit him in the chest, bounced off of his hands that was on the ground, popped right up to the cornerback. I mean, the other two were just really poorly thrown balls. One was across his body and. The other one, he just didn't see the guy. They're very uh, freshman-like plays. Um, He made some, you know, he he ended up running for a couple of first downs that were really, really important to us in that game uh, just to keep Utah's offense uh, backed up uh, into the shadow of their own end zone. So I can't be happier with the efficiency. I just want to see them execute when they get into that spot where they're going to score. Yeah, absolutely. Uh you know, they, they moved the ball a couple of times from the 30 to the 30. And then you could see the distrust in Peterson, which ended up showing its face later in the game when Peyton Henry didn't even – it didn't even look like that football got off the ground. Right. You're not always never going to have a kicker. And he did what he needed to do in that instance to win the game. But uh, you, you you'd almost like to see – when he got to the 30, a couple of shots to the end zone. Just trying to know, loosen him up a little bit. Yeah. You know, I feel like everything was short once he got to that point. You know, just trying to pick up a first down here and there. 
but you never really took the shot into the end zone. They, there, I think there was one shot to Kate Otten. That, oh, yeah, and he kind of nicked himself up a little bit. Yeah, but he ended up just barely overthrowing Cade. And I think I feel like Cade probably could have gotten that ball. He just mistimed his jump a little bit. If that ball's to Hunter Bryant, I feel like he gets that 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. You know? What I thought was interesting, and, and hindsight's twenty twenty, but I was a little nervous when they went for it on the first drive on the fourth and seven. Um, yeah. I thought that was a really good uh, spot to go ahead and give Peyton Henry the opportunity to kick a field goal. Get some confidence. Um, and, yeah. And then on the other side, the one they did decide, I think that was a fourth and one or a fourth and two. And I was thinking that they probably should have gone for it, but I also have the knowledge of what transpired now. But I, even at the time I was talking to my dad who was down here for it. And I thought that, you know, they probably, I would have done the opposite in that situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I totally agree with you. But like you said, we also have the privilege of, of rewatching the tape and then getting to pick and choose, you know, our, our argument points, you know? Right. Who I do feel bad for is how much does, does Braden Covey hate Washington? They tried to kill him this year. And I, it, from what it sounds like, it's probably an ACL tear and that's really too bad. It, that guy has had two extremely tough games against us. And he, yeah. it, man, I mean, this year will be remembered as, as the Covey dismantle. And, and I don't mean to be disrespectful in that with him tearing an ACL. That, that sucks. He's a really good player. But, man, has that guy had a couple of tough games against us. He's a really good player. And it's, even in that first game, he, he was still – he made some plays – um, but he just got punished. And then, you know, his uh, Huntley just left him out to dry all those times. And this one, what he, he, he had kickoff return. He had a couple of, I think, I think he had one or two catches. He didn't, he didn't do a lot. Yeah. So he ended up, did he have a catch? Yeah. He had one catch for six yards. Yeah. So he wasn't really that involved. Um, he had three carries for 14 yards, and then of course that uh, that kickoff return that ended his uh, his 2018 football season. Yeah. So hopefully he comes back. Um, he's got he's got more years of eligibility. Hopefully he's able to rehab that and be ready to go for the first uh, uh, the first game next season. But Is he we'll like see. 26. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's older. He's. I think if I'm just doing my math correctly, oh, he's 21. Oh, okay. Go. I thought he was he's older. Gonna be a, he's only going to be a junior because he oh. played his freshman year, took his mission, and now he just committed. He just completed his sophomore year. Yeah. I, I think that's probably good for the Pac-12 championship. I loved it. I loved Washington winning. Um, I don't care how they won. I don't care the perception. All I care about is we're going to the Rose Bowl. That's it. Yep. However, the top story coming out of the Pac-12 was the loudest the stadium ever got was the uh, during the trophy presentation when Petros Papadakis introduced Petros. Jerry. Yeah, my guy. So, I like so I, funny. I like Papadaki. I do too. He that segment with him and Softy is oh, it's killer. Is, is radio gold. Oh, it's killer. 
They, I, we need to start making fun of each other as much as they do because those two together are awesome. The problem with that, though, is it's too easy to make fun of you. It's not that funny. I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm really cool. I mean, that's not what your dad says. I know, but my dog does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. So the uh, when Petros Papadakis presented uh, the microphone to Larry Scott, the one thing that all Pac-12 fans have in common, regardless of who you <laughs> like and who you dislike, is there's a collective dislike of Larry Scott. Yes. Alabama and Larry Scott. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the list. So Larry Scott is the, for those of you who don't know, he is the commissioner of the Pac-12. Um, previously, he was the commissioner of a women's um, tennis the w- uh, the w- conference. The WTA. Was it the WTA? It was. Okay, so he went from uh, the WTA to one of the Power Five uh, league con- uh, conferences. Um, it was a step up. He's not only doing tennis now, he's doing all of the major sports, uh, all of the Olympic sports. Um, and really what he his, his baby has been is the Pac-12 network. Uh, well, John Canzano of the Oregonian wrote a four-piece article about uh, Larry Scott and the problems with the Pac-12 that if you... If you've been around the Pac-12, you you know a lot of this already, that the Pac-12 is viewed as one of the lower-end Power 5 schools. We've struggled big time in basketball over the last few years. Uh, the Pac-12 boasts the only team that has ever won the regular season conference and missed out on the tournament. Um, I believe it was a couple of years ago where – by the second day of the tournament, there was no basketball, no Pac-12 teams left in the tournament. Um, the Pac-12 network is the smallest of the Power 5 networks um, and is bringing in the least amount of money. Um, and a lot of that blame is laid at Larry Scott's feet. Yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 network is kind of his baby. Yeah, so... And they've made some really, really bad choices over the years um, with the Pac-12. One of them, namely, is making people choose uh, between the Pac-12 and the NFL Sunday ticket. Um, The Pac-12 network has never been on Dish Network. um, And that's been a real issue that Larry Scott refuses, in my opinion, to um, getting the Pac-12 network on different on uh, on all of the major platforms. He's making people choose between the NFL and college football uh, and not even college football, the Pac-12 network um, by refusing to be on Dish Network. Uh, Now, I like college football and my wife likes college football uh, a lot more than the NFL as a whole. So we are Xfinity uh, subscribers so we can watch the Pac-12. Or Dish. We have Dish. You have Dish. You can get it there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would say your household's a lot like ours. We, when it comes to the NFL, we, we follow, we follow the Seahawks, uh, closely. We can see all of their games and then we'll watch whatever national game is on. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are going to do with the Sunday ticket, uh, to, and the red zone channel to get all those channels. 
uh, and they won't have the Pac-12 network. Yeah, which sucks because they're missing out on uh, I mean, the Pac-12 is missing out on exposure. Which, oh my gosh! Yes, which which ultimately brings you cash, which in return brings you more talent. Better yeah, you're faci- absolutely right. Better better facilities. Uh, better schools, better everything. So recruiting footprint. Yeah, exactly. Which is in correlation of a better weight room, uh, better better practice fields, better uh, food, better uh, uh, better weightlifting coaches. Without that <laughs> revenue coming in, you can't have those things. Which in return, people don't want to come to your school. Yeah, and I disagree with that a little bit. There, the Pac-12 has some of the nicest facilities. What it comes down to with that lack of uh, the the big disparity between the uh, what teams in the Pac-12 get as opposed to the ACC, the Big Ten, or the SEC, is we're missing out on talent. We're missing out on weight training coaches. We're missing out on. Uh, what I just said. Assistants. No, you were talking. I about... said. I said weight training coaches. Yeah, that was one of them. It's not the facilities. The facilities are fine. It's the support staff that goes along with it. Same, That's same. what we're missing. Not the same thing. You just reiterated my point. You talked about fields. I hate you. Uh, but you're right, though. With with bringing in uh, offensive coordinators and weight training coaches and all of that, and even Neuheisel himself said, because we don't have the money to hire those big time weightlifting uh, coaches, the SEC guys and the Big Ten guys are mountains compared to our guys, our play, our players. Where we're trying to get two or three of those big, stout offensive and defensive line guys, the the Big Twelve and the SEC has twelve or thirteen of those guys. So you so you're getting manhandled. I mean, and not just offensive and defensive line, but running backs. You know, running backs are bigger, stronger, scarier in the SEC than they are here. Well, if you look at all the support staff that Alabama has, I mean, it they have uh, by far the the most amount of those kind of special assistant kind of guys. Like we had Jeff Tedford in most of the 2016 season. Um, those kind of positions we can't afford um and 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 so let's kind of break i'm going to break down some money uh just to make make it more clear and that's that's the point that we're making right now is is the money that larry scott is spending so go ahead and break that down and that's a big deal so the pac-12 network because it's owned by the pac-12 um really works as the 13th member of the pac-12 so instead of splitting the pie in 12 ways, they're really spitting at 13. And they've just really made some really poor choices on where the, they uh, chose to set up shop. And um, the way that Larry Scott runs his business. So from uh, some, some insiders uh, that Kanzano talked to talked about Larry Scott being a, a man of excess who loves to um, spend money frivolously. Uh, and so he wants all the nicest things. Um, who do you, in your opinion, who's the, you don't have to say their name. What conference has the best uh, commissioner? SEC. 
obviously, because they're winning all the time, right? All, all the time. He may, His name is Greg Sankey. He makes $1.9 a year. Yep. He's the third highest paid commissioner. Jim Delaney of the Big Ten is $2.4 million, so like half a million more. Larry Scott is $4.8 million a year. Yeah. Um, now, and, and, and on top of that, um, those, the SEC commissioner is making less than 90% of the SEC head coaches. He makes way less than uh, President Saban over there. Yeah, and Larry Scott makes more than every Pac-12 coach in the conference. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, no, he makes a ton more. Um, with that split of the pie, the SEC is making get each SEC school uh, from the revenue from their network. They're getting forty-one million a piece. Big Ten is getting thirty-seven. The Pac-12 is getting thirty-one. Yeah, this is just leading to more. And one of the really stupid things that the Pac-12 has done is they've decided to set up shop in uh, one of the most expensive places in the country. Uh, their, um, their home facility is in San Francisco. And so they're paying, I'm trying to find it here as I'm talking, they're paying so much more. Oh, here's their rent. So the annual rent for their space is $6.9 million for their headquarters. Yeah. SECs is three hundred and eighteen thousand. Yeah, well, like it says in the article, you know, there's a reason that ESPN doesn't base its headquarters in Manhattan, and it bases it, it, it bases it in Connecticut. There are so many great places that the Pac-12 could go for a much more reasonable price, and they said the reason they did that was so they could be uh, really close in with the the tech industries. Which, on face value, sounds good, but the partnerships they've made have been with places all over the country. Because really, there's no with the with the internet where it is, the the world is so much smaller. It's not people that you rub elbows with; it's people that you network with now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they have big time sponsorships in Texas and uh, New York. Uh, New York, yeah, China. Yep. Um, they don't need to be in San Francisco to rub elbows with anybody because like you said, they don't, it, the world is at a point now where you don't need to rub elbows with anybody. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, why wouldn't you go to Phoenix where rent is a heck of a lot cheaper and you could, you could spend even half of what you're spending on rent and, and divvy that up to all the other conferences for, I mean, that's a you, special assistant. Yeah, exactly. For every college. Yep. For every program. Yep. You're absolutely so, right. So there's a reason that the Pac-12 hasn't had a representative in the college football playoff for the last two years, and it's because the lack of money that Larry Scott is di- dividing to all the programs. And not only that, but the fact that he schedules the way that he does with – you know, like he did it to both Washington and Oregon this year where you play a road game and then you travel to another road game to play a team that was just came off of a bye. Yeah. And, and they were, both of those teams were 0-2 when they had to do that. 
Yeah, so they did it to SC last year, where they made him travel on a short week to Pullman. Yeah, and they got beaten in a close game, and that team was pretty talented. Yeah, so the fans of the Pac-12 are absolutely justified in their distrust in Larry Scott. Yeah, and here's one more great example. Uh, John Canzano had tweeted that a friend of his was in um, one of the big sports books in Vegas. And he told him, he asked the, the guy behind the counter there, you know, there's, it's Vegas. There's TVs everywhere with sports on. And the Stanford Cal game was not on TV. And he asked one of the bartenders why, you know what he said? Uh -uh. We don't get the PAC 12 network. Yeah. And he is so tone deaf that he, whenever, uh, even with the bad, uh, attendance at these games at 7:30. Softy had asked him during one of those 7:30 kicks. He said, "What do you think of this crowd? It's small." He said, "It's a good crowd." Yeah. And and you're just flabbergasted by somebody who's so deluded in his own thinking. It he needs to go or this or this uh, conference. And this is the real doomsday me. Chris Peterson is a top 5 coach in the country. Yeah. And he's in a really a conference he's in a really good spot but the conference is not doing him any favors no now i don't think he's going to leave because of that but i the worry is down the road the pac-12 and washington loses coaches because the conference is not looked at in the same way yeah i he has to go well, well he's he's not only pissing fans off and um presidents of of major colleges but he's pissing coaches off i mean i don't compliment mike leach very often but the blatant how blatant he is with his comments towards people are it's phenomenal because um mike leach texted and said "It, it we are you on purpose fixing these games you know, and he did, had a reason. Did you screw us on purpose? Are you are you pushing these games the way that you want them to go? And he was absolutely justified in asking him that. Yeah, because of the fiasco during the SC game. Because of because a guy that had never had any officiating experience ever in his life overturned a call for targeting. That that it was is, not an official. Yeah, that it, you know. He, he's, he's absolutely right. He's totally justified in calling Larry Scott out and saying, why did you screw us? And Larry Scott, Which is crazy. he got bombarded at halftime of Wazoo. And, he, and here's another money expense. He, he takes a private jet to Wazoo uh, for the halftime yeah. press conference where he gets bombarded by questions about screwing Wazoo. And his only response was, I I back the person that did it, and it was a, an isolated incident, and it ha- doesn't happen all the time, which everybody knows is crap anyways. Bull crap. Yeah. But then he doesn't even stick around for the game. He takes the private jet back to San Francisco to his house that the Pac-12 has paid for that he's supposed to pay back and hasn't paid a penny back towards that house. Boom. It's a $1.85 yep. $1. million house that the Pac-12 just bought him 
that he's supposed to pay back and in how many seven years of being the commissioner hasn't paid a penny back to it is i would eat that 1.85 million dollars right now i'd eat it to get rid of him. to get rid of larry scott get rid of him pack up those pac-12 offices moved i love the idea of phoenix as a great place to go it's sunny it's nice you can still have a really enjoyable pac-12 uh, media day there and you can still do everything you do at a much better price you got to get a guy in there who knows football i i'm i like to turn on the pac-12 and see other sports it's great but if you're not treating football and to a lesser extent basketball as your your main events you're doing it wrong yeah absolutely i totally he's gotta go he's gotta go and i'm and i'm thinking uh the president uh at utah um commented on it and said that she's fully something along the lines of she's uh fully supporting making sure the pac-12 you know she loves being in the pac-12 but She's she wants to make sure that we're doing everything as right as possible. And, you know, I, I really I didn't like John Canzano during the Washington dark days because he's very, very unbiased in his um, in his reporting. And he pretty much said for those years when I first moved down here to Portland that Washington sucked. And, you know, I remember him writing a story about Chris Polk's pretty good, but Washington is awful. I was like, I hate John Canzano. Mm. Now that Washington's good, he's he talks really highly of Washington, and he's very critical of Oregon, which is kind of fun to read. Yeah, it's great. So, uh, so let's get off of the Larry Scott train, and yeah, because uh, it's getting me fired up. It is. I'm getting. Is. I'm getting heated. I mean, the thing is, is you care about. I mean, we care about the University of Washington. But we care about the Pac-12, and we want it to be good. Just saying, we want this to be the Conference of Champions like they pronounce it to be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the fa- I think a huge indictment is the fact that Washington State lost a close game to uh, USC and a close game to Washington and was shut out of the New Year's Six Bowl for freaking Texas. A 15 seed. 15. And they were let's talk, they, let's, let's talk about that later. Okay, fine. I'm fired up and I blame Larry Scott for that. <laughs> let's talk about that one later. I can't believe I'm defending a coup. Anyhow, let's get to the uh, Pac 12 players of the year uh, and the all conference teams. Um, the one that we care about most, Ben Burke Irvin. Yeah, Matilda boy. Defensive player of the year. Love Man, it. Man, he's awesome. I love it. I mean, did I not call that? Yeah, you did. Yeah, they won and he won it. Yeah. I really, I mean, Ben Burkirvan, we were pretty wrong on him at the beginning of the year. Uh, he is, I don't know, he's not the most talented player, but he's the most important player on that defense. And I think that really, is he not the most important player on that defense? I would argue Taylor Rapp or Byron Murphy. So I'm going to say that I'm right because I like to and because <laughs> – the defensive line does a lot of work that leaves Ben Burkhaven in one-on-one situations that he's winning at a very, very impressive clip. I totally understand. And I, I agree, but our secondary is unreal and has given him the opportunity to make so many tackles because they can't throw on them. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And it's kind of, 
it's kind of, you know, chicken or the egg, like which one's more important. Sure. Um, but uh, I'm going to say that either way, Ben Burkirvin is an amazing player. Uh, he's an amazing person. And I think other than just showing how great he is, I think this is also a nod to by far the best defense in the Pac-12. Yes. And that's what it was last year with Vita Bea was yeah because he, he was the best you know, player got all salty and yeah posted a bunch of stuff with the stats so. sure but Vita Vea was the best player on the best defense and you almost had to give it to him this year Ben Burkirvin was the best player on the best defense with the best stats so yeah. there's no way he was not gonna win that yeah what did he have 455 million tackles this year yeah, I think he averaged 400,000 a game. Yeah, something like that. Um, offensive <laughs> player of the year, Gardner Minshew. That's no surprise. He was a Heisman candidate going into the uh, Washington game. I still think that he probably should have gone because – Yeah, he got a raw deal. Yeah, and of course, again, I blame Larry Scott for that um, <laughs> because nobody saw how good he was in those games that were not on national TV. Um, Mike Leach, your coach of the year. Um, I don't know what to say about that. Like, I would say that if he didn't have to play Washington every year, I would agree with it. You know, what's funny is I totally agreed with that before the Washington game. Yeah, yeah, that would be fine because they weren't – we we didn't think they were going to be that good. No, and I, I – before him, I would probably give it to Whittingham or Chris Peterson because – I to me to win coach of the year, you need to make it to the Pac-12 championship. I mean, you think what, so? What Whittingham did with Utah um, was phenomenal, making it to the Pac-12 championship and and coming within thirty-five yards and a, and a two-point conversion of winning the Pac-12 championship um, against that defense is a phenomenal feat. And Chris Peterson going to his third New Year's Six Bowl in a row is a bigger feat than what Mike Leach did all year. So I think more deserving than him is those other two coaches. Or Mike McIntyre. <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got oh, first Lord. once. Good job. <laughs> you got first or last every year. That's really impressive, Mike. He did get you almost, Coach of the Year you almost have one year. He did. You almost have to try to do that, though. It's pretty impressive. Or you try really hard one year, and then you just kind of rest on your laurels until you get fired. And, and Chris then you Peterson leave like, has... I'm a millionaire, whatever. Chris Peterson hasn't won it once in the Pac-12, has he? Uh, he didn't win it in 2016. He didn't win it last year. I, I think say... Whittingham won it last year, didn't he? Uh, no, they, they, they finished like 7-5. and five. Did um, Shaw win last year? Who won last year? It was either Shaw or uh, Clay. Yeah. So, and then he didn't win it this year. How how is Chris Peterson not winning it every year now? Well, you remember when Washington or when Seattle was really really good? Uh, Carol and Schneider, neither of them won. Yeah. Um, it's just I, I think a lot of how that it's is, expected. Yeah, and it's based on like teams that you know. I think the reason he won it is. Washington State was not supposed to be good, and they were. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get that. And, and after a while, if you're just projected to win the Pac-12 every year because you've been that good, then 
when you go out then and handle three your looks business, bad. yeah, you, you go out and handle your business, you handle your business, you know? So I yeah. get it. But I mean, what he's doing for us right now, no coach in the Pac-12 is doing. And you have yeah. to give him a nod at some point. I mean, I would, but. Who who all got first team? It was Byron Murphy. BBK didn't even get first team, did he? Pac-12? So, uh Let's go. Yeah. So defensively, yeah, he did. So our the Washington first team defense was Greg Gaines, of course. Yeah. Ben Burkhaven, um, Byron Murphy, and Byron Taylor Murphy. Rapp. Yeah, and Byron Murphy and Taylor Rapp made first team All American. Oh, they did. I didn't see that. They did. Okay, and then um, defense second team, Miles Bryant was uh was a defensive back nod which um goes to show you how he's thought about throughout the league speaking Um, speaking of a guy that we weren't big on at the start of the year that ended up shutting us up right yeah you're absolutely right yeah um it's going to be really fun next year elijah and him both on the field for most of the time um also elijah molden was all purpose teams second team player so um he he was very good at um covering kicks uh he was elite at it and then of course on offense uh the only washington player to be uh on first team was nick harris oh i'm sorry nick harris and caleb mcgarry were both first team nods and then second team was miles gaskin um, he would have been first team if he was healthy all year. Yeah. Um, I still think who did get first team at running back? Um, you know Benjamin and JJ Taylor, who both had pretty good years. Yeah. Um, I would have put Miles Gaskin there just because of uh, the longevity of his career. Four thousand yard seasons. Two games. Yeah, exactly. No one's ever done that. Yeah. Um, I know it's it's just based on this year, and then honorable mention for Washington. Yeah, Jake Browning, Jalen Johnson, JoJo McIntross, Andrew Sample. Yeah. So lots of Washington players represented on the all Pac-12 team. And I think really um, looking at, so, you know, Jake Browning getting the honorable mention was probably more of a lifetime achievement award because, I mean, if you look at it, Justin Herbert was probably a better quarterback. Um, He had some tough games as well, but. Yeah. I mean, if I'm an Oregon fan and I'm an Oregon coach, I'm telling that kid to come back. For sure. So. Um, I'm calling my shot right now. Next year, Keith Taylor and um, who's that D end? Oh, Joe Tryon. Yeah, they're both getting first team. Oh, those, yeah. First team two. next year is, again, again, going to be littered with uh, Washington yeah, players. Yeah, I guarantee Keith Taylor gets first team next year. Joe Tryon is oh, a little yeah. bit more of a stretch. But you saw flashes of brilliance from that guy this year. And I think with one more year under his belt, that dude is going to be a sack machine. He is, yeah, yeah. I, he came on big time as his role got bigger as the season went on. He looked fantastic. So, Trev, did you see that um, our Rose Bowl competition head coach is going to retire at the end of the year? I did. Urban Meyer faking another injury to get himself out of harm's way. Oh. I don't know, Trev. I mean, it's the same thing that he that he retired from Florida for. Yeah, and it's he actually does have something, but it just goes to show you, dude. This guy, 
he lasts about six to seven years. He outdoes his welcome with some of the um, questionable characters that he allows in and the questionable things that he allows to go on in his program. Do you think this and, is the Pete Carroll syndrome happening right now? Where he knows no, that he, something's on his way and he's bailing before it happens? Um, it could be. Um, I, I just think that there's too much pressure around the university about how he handled the whole uh, uh, J- Jason Smith. Um, I don't know. Whatever. The whole ish situation with the domestic violence um, that they've they've been getting heat all year for that. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is just the next um, situation where he's uh, taken a, a, a university and just drowned it in scandal. Well, and he did he, it at Florida, and he's going to do it again at Ohio State. Well, and he was asked if this was the end of his football coaching career, and he even flat out admitted that's a really tough question. Like, you know where he's going to be next year, right? Well, I think next year he's going to be at home, but what? Do you, where? USC. No, they already said that they're not firing Todd. Clay Helton. So Clay Helton, um, the last thing that it, um, firing, uh, the last thing that administration will do uh, before they hire a head coach, uh, fire a head coach, is make them fire all of their assistants and hire new ones. Uh, so that's where we're at. This is kind of the end game for Clay Helton. And if he has another bad year and Urban Meyer is sniffing around, they're going to make the change. For sure. I mean, with Urban Meyer there, how could you not? I now, mean, now, as, a, as a moral human being, it would be easy not to. But as somebody who needs but wins obviously and wants to he, make money. Yeah, he, he obviously doesn't care about that. He did it to Florida. He's going to do it to Ohio State. Um, who do you think Ohio State hires? I mean, there's, they, uh, it's Ohio they State. They inked him. Who? They inked uh, the um... – so what do you think about the uh, the matchup with Ohio State going into this game? Yeah, you know, it's it's offense versus defense. Um, Haskins has 47 touchdown passes. He's getting a nod to go to New York for the Heisman ceremony. The, uh, the Huskies have allowed nine passing touchdowns. So it's kind of a which one's going to break. Is, uh, is our defense going to – Hold up against Haskins, or is he going to throw all over us? I don't know. Who do you think wins between those two matchups? I think I know who you're going to say, but I mean, I'm a homer. You know what I'm going to say. Well, you know, he has the most touchdown passes in college football right now, but Gardner Minshew was second, and he did nothing against us. So, so do you think our corners are that spectacular? Where they won't break in a in a sunny day in Pasadena, California, where the temperature's right. I think so. I think this defensive back unit and the defense as a whole is a lot better than the defenses that they've seen in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, Michigan. They threw all over Michigan, who's rated number one in almost every statistical category. I think Michigan showed in that game that they were overrated. Ah man, they got a pretty good defense. Yeah, it's a it's a good Big Ten defense. It it looked slow to me. Um, yeah. It looked like they have a bigger, stronger version of 
Ben Burkirvan who can't um, keep up. Yeah, maybe. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm spacing on the guy's name, but that's just who he reminded me of. He was kind of their do-it-all middle linebacker who just got out-athleted. And yeah. Ben Burkirvan's not necessarily going to get out-athleted because he's very fast, but I think that he's going to be able to make those plays. I just think our defense is big up front and athletic in the back. Yeah. Well, and I think what we have going for us is – we have the nation's number one safety and number one quarterback in pro football focus rankings with Taylor Rapp and Byron Murphy. And then we have the, uh, the nation's leading tackler in BBK. So we and then have a pro football focus uh, top defensive lineman as well. Yeah. So we have the secondary to cover against Haskins. And I think you know, and, and, and it's not just Byron Murphy is the amazing part. You know, we have Miles um, Bryant, who has been phenomenal all year in the nickel. We have Jordan Miller, who just played lights out in the Pac-12 championship game. So it's not like it's just a Darrell Revis type on one side of the – or Richard Sherman type on one side of the field and, and a scrub on the other. We have three awesome cornerbacks, our entire secondary – can light you up. So I think that plays we really well. At, 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 uh, Elijah Molden right and Keith Taylor. Yeah, I mean, we have the secondary that can rotate in and not get torched. And that's the thing I think that plays really well into this this game for us is that our cornerbacks don't get torched for long throws, which is kind of Dwayne Haskins' go-to is, I'm going to beat you down the field with my cannon arm our corners can cover that and will cover that. Yeah. And he's going to have to be really precise with the dink and dunk. And I think a guy who's been able to get away with as much as he has is going to take those shots and it's going to really bite him in the butt. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little fearful for a run defense that game because they have a stud running back as well, but yeah. I don't think Haskins is going to go for 400 yards against us. Like he has against almost everybody and three or four touchdowns a game. You know, my favorite thing I've seen about this game so far is they said, this is a game of good versus evil on par with Luke Skywalker versus Vader. (laughs) That's pretty, I didn't see that. It was funny. What I, the other thing that I really like about this game is Ohio state's defense. (laughs) <laughs> we just got they, they let up some points yeah we just got done playing utah which is one of the stingiest defenses in the pac-12 and in the nation they're top what 15 ranked everywhere in the nation in defense yeah check this out ohio state defense gives up 25.7 points a game which is 51st in the nation they give up 401 yards per game which is 63rd in the nation and they give up 161 rush yards a game. Which... And remember who they play. Miles Gaskin. Well, no, no, no. In oh, the in the Big Ten. Season. Yeah. They play in the Big Ten where they don't play offense. Well, I... Name name good offenses in the pack in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State. And Penn State's got a good offense. Okay. Maryland's not atrocious. They're not as good as 51 points that they dropped on Ohio State. What I'm saying is is their defense 
favors our offense quite a bit with the rush yards allowed per game. Gaskins and Ahmed could each run for 100 yards. If The problem is you're going to see we each have a month to prepare for each other, right? Yeah. So all Urban Meyer is going to do is try to stack the box and make Jake make plays against them because he knows that in big games, Jake has kind of been known to shrink a little bit. Yeah, and they they are fast on the outside, and Jake Browning has struggled against really athletic defensive backs. Just look back at 2016 with Colorado. USC. Or yeah, or you yeah, USC had a heyday against us. Yeah, and Alabama. Oh yeah, against them either. Yeah. And then yep. look at Auburn. He was he was good, not great. Um, Penn State. He struggled. Yeah, until late. So, yeah. But you're right. But their defense does give us opportunity to take advantage of. I really do believe yeah. that. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. I I think that this is a really a really good matchup for a New Year's Six Bowl. Check this out. If you take the rankings from – and I, this was my own research. I don't know how I thought of this, but, I mean, sometimes I amaze myself. Oh, God. <laughs> if, if you take the rankings from both teams in every New Year's Six game and average them together, our game has that, the best ranking. Other than That's obviously, awesome. other than the playoff teams. Take the playoff out of the equation – you have 11 LSU and 8 UCF, which averages to a 9.5. You got Texas and Georgia that ranks to a 10. Florida, Michigan, 8.5. And, and Washington and Ohio State is a 7.5. So that's the highest rated game in the New Year's Six Bowls, which I think is going to bring a lot of exposure. Everybody's going to oh, want to watch that some- game. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's going to be a huge game. And it could really propel Washington um, really back into that blue blood conversation. You know, we the, the Fiesta Bowl was good last year. I don't think it was the most compelling game in the uh, bowl uh, season. This year, outside of the – I don't know. I don't even see the uh, the semifinals as that compelling. Um, I, I think that Notre Dame is going to get beat up pretty bad by Clemson. Yeah, totally. And I think that Alabama is going to run through uh, Oklahoma. This it's going to be a high scoring. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see Oklahoma beat them. I'm in love with Kyler Murray. Murray. But I, I think that the Rose Bowl has the makings of the most fun game to watch of the New Year's Six Bowls. I totally agree. I think by it could easily – be the best game in the New Year's Six Bowls, which both us and Ohio State both have 14 Rose Bowls under our belt, and we have not once up until this point met in a Rose Bowl. Yeah, we're we're like three and eight, and we've only played them in the regular season. Yeah, it seems amazing to me that we've never seen Ohio State in a Rose Bowl. Well, when I think of the Rose Bowl... You think of Michigan? I think Michigan. Yeah, I do But when I... When I think USC, I think Ohio State. Yeah. I, well, and so we're talking. the red flashes and the blue and purplish flashes. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I do know that we, 
us and Ohio State are tied for the third most amount of Rose Bowls at 14, and USC and Michigan are the only two ahead of us. Yeah, and USC has so many. Yeah, they have like 28 or something like that. Yeah, I thought they were in the 30s. They could have been. Did you know that during World War II, Washington and SC played each other for the Rose Bowl? I did not know that. Yeah, it was really interesting. So it was during World War II, so there was a lot less – there was not a lot of travel going on. There was also a lot of uh, playing fast and loose with your rosters. So Washington played like a five-game schedule, um, including uh, Whitman College um, and uh, like an agricultural school in Washington. Uh, And then right before the game – like their star core, a a bunch, uh, a bunch of their star players ended up uh, enlisting in the service and taking off for world war two. So they ended up grabbing some other guys at the Washington uh, at the college at Washington to play in that game. And they got obliterated by USC. Oh, I did not know that. Of of course, USC I'm sure had guys leave as well because that was a time where everybody was leaving uh, to go fight in, in world war two. Yeah, I'm sure. So, uh, I actually, I this is a really funny side note. I met a guy when I was working in college at a uh, retirement home, and he was an old guy who, and he was a tailback for the Oregon State Beavers back in the '40s during the war. I asked him what his uh, what his favorite memory was of playing at Oregon State, and he said, in uh, 1945, beating Oregon twice. <laughs> everybody's favorite memory is beating Oregon. That's right. And so, cause they didn't travel much. They ended up just playing. It was probably like home and home thing, but it was, you know, that's a different generation. It's pretty unbelievable what, uh, what that group did. Yeah, absolutely. You, I, I read something today, which is really cool. Um, Washington and Ohio state are two of five programs to earn a new year six bowl bid for three consecutive years joining Bama, Clemson, and Oklahoma. And that's a really elite company to be a part of. Yeah, and Um, and I feel like we're just getting looked over. I'm hoping that a win in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State will stop making Washington like the trick piece of the trivia where somebody is guessing on that and they can, you know, list off Bama, Clemson, Ohio State Oklahoma, and then they they're stuck. They give yeah, up, who's, and somebody who's says that, Washington. Who's that fifteen? Yeah, and they're like, oh, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That so, that's a great point. You keep losing, though. That's what happens. I really want to see, especially the senior class, go out with a major bowl victory. Yeah, I mean, it's, this senior class deserves it, man. It's it. They won a bowl game against uh, Brett Favre at fifty-four years old. Against Mississippi State, <laughs> it wasn't Mississippi. It was it was middle like middle Tennessee or something. Game Southern Mississippi. Okay, so we were both wrong, and it was the heart of Dallas Bowl against Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Suck it! I told you it was the Zaxby's heart of Dallas Bowl. <laughs> you know why I know it was Zaxby's? No, because I had to look it up. I'd never heard of Zaxby's Zaxby's before. Is, isn't that like a fried chicken thing? It's yeah, it's like a it's like a southern fried chicken chain. Yeah. So, so super appropriate that Washington went. So last thing I want to talk about before 
I decide to leave is how does Texas get a New Year's Six Bowl nod? And Larry Wazoo, Scott. Wazoo doesn't. Larry Scott. Can you really say that, though? I mean, is that what it is? It's because nobody sees the Pac-12 games because they're on freaking Pac-12 network, and therefore the the Pac-12 is not as highly regarded. Um, the fact that they were bypassed by uh, – they also bypassed Penn State was because there was already two Big Ten teams in there. Uh, and then the other team was Kentucky, who also – the SEC already had two teams in there. But they leapfrogged a Pac-12 team that was – 10 and 2 and could really argue that they should have been 11 and 1. They left them out to put Texas in because nobody cares about the Pac-12. Isn't isn't the New Year's Six Bowl isn't it supposed to be a top 12 team unless unless one of those teams is occupied by a, a conference champion that's rated lower than a top 12 team. So by I, that's by what definition I thought, Washington was 12. Yeah, by definition 12 should get in regardless of how many conference teams there is. It's not their fault that two other conference teams got in a, in, in a New Year's Six Bowl. It, it, even if it's not Washington State, if it's Penn State or who was Kentucky, it's not their fault that their conference is really good. So, yeah, and I so wonder why if does there the big, is a rule. That's what I've always understood. I, I, I'm a, I'm assuming there's a rule that you know you can't have three teams represented. That's the only guess that I could have why they wouldn't just go with number twelve. So um, so so the then one why? Thing, so then why would you skip over the Pac-12 in the nation's second no best rated quarterback? They get no respect. It's unreal. I mean, is yep. it the, is it the Pac-12 not getting any respect, or is it Texas is Texas? And they have their own TV network, and the what the amount of money Texas would bring to your bowl game would by far trump what Washington State and Pullman would bring to your their fan base would bring to your bowl game. You know what I and mean? And if that's the case, that's Larry Scott's fault. I mean, is it Larry Scott's fault though, or is it yes. is it college football's fault for saying that we want a high market team? Versus uh, a place that we have never heard of, that their their home stadium seats fifty two thousand fans, thirty two thirty two thousand fans, versus Texas, which seats eighty nine thousand fans, and Texas has a huge following and a lot more money. Yeah. Austin, Texas brings a lot more money than Pullman, Washington. I think that would probably be part of it. Um, I would still lay a lot of it that nobody nobody knows how cool. Washington State is because nobody outside of the Pac-12 footprint and even within the Pac-12 footprint knows what they look like. I will say about it that it is interesting that they are rewarding a team. The the teams ahead of them did not play in their uh, conference championship and Texas did. Yeah. So that's their fourth Um, loss. It's annoying. Yeah, they're like nine and four now. Yeah. So I think it's ridiculous. Uh, it it should have been Washington State. Uh, I'm pissed off it isn't, and um, I'm just I'm too fired up to see anybody but Larry Scott's face. <laughs> when you see so, Larry Scott, you see red. It's and it's it's a 
deep red, and it is not a very good feeling. Don't let the bowl out. I'm going to let it out, and <laughs> I, just, I hope he fires him. <laughs> I hear you. All right, man. Well, good job. Um, I, I think we should settle down. All right, I think we should get done. I don't um, know how I'm going to go to bed now. You're fired up, aren't you? <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to run into bed and tackle my wife. You might have to. Don't put a Larry face, Larry Larry Scott face on it. You're gonna be real upset. <laughs> no, she's gonna be real upset. <laughs> yeah. Hey, boo. Wear this mask. Why is it a Larry Scott? <laughs> it's just took All a right. dark, dark turn. Yeah. Go dogs. <laughs> Go dogs. <laughs>